Beautiful, right? It's funny, I was listening to that, and probably the same for some of you guys, usually when we're worshiping or singing, I'm trying to pay attention and listen to what the Lord's saying to me. And each time we played that in this service, that first verse, you know, in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And each time I felt like the Lord was singing that over, like, back to us. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus, that he's saying, in the morning when you rise, come and give me your whole heart. And I think what we commonly misunderstand is, like, when we go and be with the Lord, and we choose him, and we shift our heart to him, like, he gets excited about that. And, and I remember in my life, as I've been growing in my relationship with Jesus, uh, like so often I try to give him my mornings and give him the first fruits of my day. And I started realizing one year I tried to keep building that and build momentum in that and create that rhythm in my life. And I'd set my alarm early sometimes because there's things going on. And I'd feel in the morning when I would wake up, it was almost like I, I knew I'd go to like my, my couch or my chair or where I spend time with the Lord and read the scriptures and pray and just enjoy his presence. And I'd be in my, my bed in the morning like being like, should I snooze or should I get up? And I could feel the anticipation of the Lord for me to go and be with him. That he delights to be with us when we shift our hearts that even the day as you chose to come to church through the snow and the rain, like the Lord has expectation, there's anticipation. He's excited to meet with you today. And obviously you can do that anywhere. It doesn't have to be in a church building, but there's something joyous. And as the song was going on, I was thinking, I've shared this before, right when I got married to, to Jenna, my wife over here, she's awesome. I, uh, we got married and five days later, one of her friends was getting married. So they had their bachelorette party. And I remember she, she left for the weekend and we just got married and I'm like dying because it was three days without her, which was just tragic at that point. Still is, it still is. And I remember when she came home, I was in the window like looking out for her to like get home. It was like I was like a, like a golden retriever, you know what I mean? Like I'm just like peering for her to come. And it was funny that weekend that she was gone, I hadn't spent any time with the Lord. And I remember going to the door and I didn't, I, I ran out to the car to meet her. Like I knew she was home. Like, do you ever think that with the Lord? Like you take one step towards him and he'll do the 99 more to, to meet you. And so I remember I run out to go meet her and I get her bags and I'm walking in the car and because I missed her so much. You guys know that when you're not with the Lord, he's not mad at you, but he misses you. And so I remember walking in the door and I felt like the Lord said to me, because I hadn't spent any time with him. And I felt like he said to me, Cody, like um, you miss her so much and you haven't seen her in three days. Like my love for you is so much greater even than your love for your wife. How do you think I feel? How much do you think I miss you when you don't come to me? And as we go forward to the day, like you can feel the, the rest. We're talking about rest today. But I want everyone to know that, that like when you choose the Lord and you see him and you know him and you spend time with him, like he will meet you and there's joy. You might feel joy going to him, but his joy is always greater, I think. And it's not a checklist, but he desires connection with us because we are his beloved. We are his children and he wants to meet with you. So Father, I just pray that today. I thank you for the beauty of worship. I thank you for the beauty of that truth, God, that, that man, we've tasted and we've seen of the goodness of who you are, God. And, 
We'd have you. You can have the world. But we want you, Jesus. We want to see you, God. And let that be a reality in our lives. Let us see you today. Let us know you today. And let us encounter you and, and leave your change, God. Not another church service, but an encounter with the living God of the universe. The God who is love and who is hope and who is peace and who has great and mighty plans for each and every one of us. God, meet us today and open our ears to hear you, God. We love you. Awaken dead dreams in our hearts today, God. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. How's everyone doing today? You guys doing okay? Is it, is it pretty nasty outside? You know what? I'm going to congratulate you right now on making it to church through the snow. Um, I, know, I know it can be kind of hard, but we're so happy you're here. And, and we're actually, uh, Susan said it, we're, we're continuing on with our series, um, Five Surprising Things God Loves. Some of you guys know, anyone know week one? I do. Joy. <laughs> joy. It was laughter, right? Week two. Some of you guys know God loves purple. God loves joy. Week three. Who was here last weekend for Dave Gibbons? You guys hear him? What was his God loves it when we dance or God loves to dance, right? And today what we're talking about is we're talking about God loves leisure. I'm just going to call it God loves rest because I don't know if I've ever said the word leisure in my life, except when I've heard someone talk about leisure suits. And I don't even know if I was around when they had those, but I've watched Christmas Vacation before, and I think Uncle Eddie had a leisure suit on. Um, and, and that's all I know, but it's interesting. Today we're talking about rest, like that idea of rest, and, and what does that look like? And what I've come to discover specifically um, in this geographical region in the Midwest and in our culture and even in our church, we are people that do and we run and we work really hard. When I was in Northern California, it was way more chill. You know, like it was, it really was like being out there. It felt like the pace of life was so much different. And so I, I, I hope for each and every one of us, I think this message is going to speak to you because I think it's very specific and it's very important even for each and every one of us in this room. And I think what so often happens with rest is we don't always view rest as beneficial. Obviously, from a physical standpoint, we know we need to sleep, but from a spiritual and an emotional standpoint, what does it look like to rest? And, it, and it's interesting, I think a lot of us know there's like benefits of physically sleeping, right? And have you ever been around someone who hasn't slept in a really long time? And they look like they haven't slept in a really long time, right? Like they, they're kind of like zombie mode. And even there's so many studies, it's like don't drive when you're really sleepy. It's actually like really dangerous and you're not as productive and you can't do as much. But in the same sense, a lot of times we don't talk about what does it look like and, and what are the benefits, right, of resting at an emotional and a spiritual level? And I was thinking, wouldn't it be interesting if we had some goggles on or some glasses, right? Because you can physically see people when you're like, man, they really are exhausted. But what would it look like if we had insight to look at each other's souls or our spirits or our emotions, right? We could see the unseen. And I wonder what we would look like. Would we look exhausted, or would we see peace, right? And, and I, and I want to start with that question today. Have you taken account and asked yourself, man, how is my soul doing today? Are you rested? Is there energy? Is there vibrancy? Because it's interesting in the physical, you know when someone's rested because you can like see energy in them, right? Like you can see what they're doing. But I wonder in the same way, like, Man, what does it look like for our spirit and our, our soul to be rested? And what I've come to discover is you can usually tell when someone has entered into rest 
because they give other people rest. We talked a few weeks ago, like you'll create the world around you that's within you, and if there's exhaustion within you, you'll usually exhaust the people around you. But when you're bursting with life, right, when there's joy and there's peace within you, you actually start to bring that to others. And the question was, are you a chaos causer or a peacemaker? And so I asked all you guys today, like, how is your soul? And it's interesting, even, the, in, even in the physical, right, like we breathe in, we inhale, we exhale. But if you never inhaled, you'd have nothing to exhale. And I think in a spiritual sense, when we don't breathe in, when we don't rest, when we're not with the Lord, we actually, it's like we stop breathing. Even when we worship, you know what we're doing? We're breathing in. And we're, then we're breathing out. We have something to give because we have received something. And so what I've come to discover, I, I think a lot of times we don't rest, right, because we don't always see the benefits of it. It's like, well, I can just go, 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 and I can do, do, do. And what I want to bring us into are three things and in, in three ways I've discovered that rest is actually really beneficial. And I hope as we leave here today, the first thing I hope is that dreams will be awakened within you. But also, maybe you take account and, and really look at your life and say, man, am I positioning my life and am I scheduling a place to be in rest? And what does rest look like? For me, and, and what I have found is, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. I believe God is rest, and when we're with the one who is rest, we get rest, and we can give rest to the other people around us. And so point number one is this, when we rest, we recover. When we rest, we recover. And I remember learning this, because uh, I, I, I used to work out quite a bit. I do a little bit now. It's harder. It is harder now. And, and I was at the Adams High School. Any, any Highlanders in here? All right, I see you. All right. And, and some of you guys know at, at Adams High School, uh, the football team, they have this weightlifting competition called the Lift-A-Thon. Maybe you've heard about the Lift-A-Thon. Obviously, the name is super creative. And so what, what happened was it, was it was only bench press. It was like who could bench press the most, right? So at that point in time, believe me, none of the high schoolers were doing anything except bench pressing because that was the only thing that got celebrated. And there was, like, there, was a, there was a mark and there was a board and it had all the names of the people who could bench press the most. If you don't know what a bench press is, it's when you lay on a bench and you press a bar up. It's pretty literal. It's a bench press. And so I remember I was a sophomore, and I'm like, I got to get on the wall, right? For my weight class, I want to. And, and so what would happen is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, starting when I was 15, I would bench press every day. And at first, I started having some gains. But then after about a year, like, I started plateauing, which means I wasn't, I wasn't getting the gains anymore, okay? And I was, like, confused about it because I'm, like, I'm working so hard, but why aren't I continually, like, getting my gains? You know what I mean? So do I have any beatheads in here? You're like, yeah, bro. Uh, I feel you. And so what I, what I, what I, I went online and I started researching, like, because I'm working so hard. You ever felt like that? I'm working so hard, but nothing is changing, right? And so I knew I couldn't ask my dad about it because he he's not an expert in this stuff, you know? And... I'm just kidding. And so I went online, and what I started to discover was they said, well, first of all, you should only work out that muscle group two times a week. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they're like, and you want to change up the exercises. And so what I learned was I actually didn't need to work harder. I needed to work smarter. And I was actually lifting so much, my muscles didn't have time to recover because if you guys know, the reason you get sore is because your muscle fibers are breaking down, and then they rebuild back even stronger. And so I actually wasn't giving my muscles enough time in order to rebuild. You guys didn't know you were coming to like a physical education class today. But 
what I learned was I actually stopped lifting as much and I started changing the exercises I was doing and I started to actually get my gains back. And what I, what I realized was when I rested, I actually started to recover, right? We understand that in the physical, but when we are with the Lord, when we rest, we're actually being renewed. We're actually being recovered. And as I was thinking about this, I, I, I was thinking about this verse in Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. It says this, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. I love that. It's like, well, God never grows tired or weary. Exhaustion isn't something he knows. If you're looking for energy, go to the one who never gets tired. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. And, and this is what I love. This is the verse that came to my mind as I was thinking about this whole thought is verse 31. But those who hope, other translations say, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Man, I want to fly like an eagle. Is that a song? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what I started to realize, it was interesting. I remember always reading those words. It's like those who wait, right? Those who rest or those who hope in the Lord, they'll renew their strength. And so I always thought of this thing of like, okay, I rest and then I renew my strength. Like the Lord's going to come. But what if that verse is actually saying it's kind of like when you work out, right? It's like actually when I'm resting, it's not wasteful. I'm not being lazy, but it's actually giving me time to recover. And so my soul and my spirit, as I rest in the Lord, I'm not, I'm waiting on him, but the waiting's not wasteful because he's recovering and he's renewing me. That they're not one and separate things. It's not like wait and then you'll be renewed. It's actually while I'm waiting, I'm being renewed just in that place. So as you choose to rest in the Lord, whatever that looks like for you, if it's time with him, if it's, if it's going to him, right? You might think like, man, I'm just waiting here and I'm spending time. But actually in that place, your spirit and your soul is being renewed by the one who is rest and the one who has endless energy. And as you're being renewed, you want to know how you're entering into rest is when you leave that place or when you walk abiding with the Lord, you have energy. I meet people all the time and like they'll leave like time spending time with the Lord and they're more exhausted than when they got there. Why? Because they might have been performing the whole time for God's approval when they were there instead of understanding they already are approved by God and they don't need to work for his love, but they find rest in his love and he gives them energy from that place that as you rest, you are actually renewed in every area of your life. And I'm not talking about, I think a lot of times, like, rest can be seen as laziness. Like, believe me, if you go on Instagram and you Netflix binge, it's not going to renew your soul. Right? Like, that's not real resting. You guys ever feel like that? You had a day where you just didn't do anything. At the end, you're like, man, I feel worse now than when I started. Because it wasn't real rest. But rest is entering in, right, to the, or becoming aware of the presence of God. It's going into solitude. Maybe it's going on a walk, right? Maybe for you it might be going and getting your hair cut. I don't know. But identifying in your own life, like, man, maybe it's a motorcycle ride, like the place of rest. And as you rest, people meet you after and they're like, whoa, I can tell there's refreshment. Why? Because you have been renewed and you have recovered and you have been strengthened within that time. And so the question from that place is, are you resting? Maybe the Lord sent you here today to say, stop working harder. Maybe what you do is work smarter, right? 
Did he send you here today to say, you need to slow down and rest and find peace and see your family, see the people around you. At Thanksgiving, don't just do all the tasks and get through it. Maybe at dinner, enjoy it. See the people around you. Enter in to rest. And as you enter in to rest, you will be renewed. I think another reason we don't always like to rest is we think we need to make everything happen, right? Like, obviously, there's a place of work, and we should steward work. And, and we've said it here before. Work with excellence unto the Lord and give your best to the Lord, right? But I believe in this. When we rest, point number two, when we rest, we remember. They're all our words today. By the way, I took a note out of my dad's, you know, little notebook here. When you rest, you remember. What do you remember? I believe you remember who God is. You slow down enough to see him. I think sometimes at church, you know what it feels like? I, I've thought of this before. Like, have you ever been on a group date? And if you were really getting to know someone, like when me and Jenna started dating, we didn't really do group. I don't Did we do group dates? I don't think so either. Um, we're figuring it out right now. And so... What I, what I discovered was if you were on a continual group date, it'd be really hard to get to know the person in front of you, right? Because you'd never get to really have conversation one-on-one because -on -one there's so many things going on. It doesn't mean there wouldn't be a lot of fun. But if you really wanted to get to know someone, you know what you would do? you go one-on-one -on -one and you'd have a conversation with them. You would talk to them and you get to know each other, right? You get to know each other's dreams and maybe fears or get to know what each other are passionate about. Something that's kind of hard in the context of a group. And I really believe so often at church, you know what it is? It's like we're on a continual group date trying to get to know God. And, and a lot of times what can happen is you can just receive from me instead of receiving from the Lord because it's like, hey, I'm going to go on a date with the Lord and then I'm going to come back and talk to you guys what we talked about. But are you actually ever getting to know him yourself? And so if you really wanted to get to know him, like there's beauty and there's community in the church and in the family. But I really believe if you want your relationship with the Lord to take off like never before, it's not going to be you receiving from someone else. It's going to be you receiving directly from him and you receive from him in the place of rest. And the only way to get to know someone is by making time and spending time with them and being with them. Are you, are you having dates with the Lord? <laughs> so you're like, it's weird. Are you hanging out with the Lord? Or is this it? Because this is great, and the Lord will meet you here, but he has more. And he desires to be with you and rest. And it might be awkward at first. You ever go on a date, and you're like, I don't really know this person. We're kind of getting to know each other. It might be awkward at first. Some of you, you're like, I've never done that in my life. And maybe it's awkward at first, but as you, as you continue to get to know the Lord through the word, right, through other people and through messages, but when you're with him, you'll start to know him and you'll remember who he is. And I know for me, one of my, one of my greatest moments in, in, in life, right, it's when I was with him and when he speaks to me. And some of you guys know I was released by the lions. I remember praying with someone and we were talking to the Lord about things I believed about him that weren't true. And someone was praying with me and I had this memory come to my mind the first time I got cut by the lions. I was walking in the parking lot. I was trying to hold it together and not cry because there's some manly dudes there and I'm trying to look cool. And I'm holding this big bag, right, of all this stuff. And let me tell you, I, I knew I was getting released, so I grabbed as many free gloves and cleats as I could before I, got, I left the building. And so I remember walking out, and I drove home from Allen Park to my parents' house because I, I, I got released. And, 
it was like one of the worst days of my life. And so we were praying, and that's what I was thinking about. And I felt like we realized, like, the Lord was bringing that memory to my attention. And the guy praying with me said, God, is there anything Cody started believing about you in this moment that's not true? And the next thing that came to my mind was this. I felt like the Lord said to me, this is when you started to believe you cared more about your life than I do. And so it was interesting, at that point in my life, there were some things going on, and I was like begging God to move. Why? Because I didn't know if he would show up. You can really tell what you believe about God by the way that you pray. And I realized my prayers were like asking like, God, please come, please move. What I've realized is he wants to move even more than I want him to move. And so I don't always have to beg him, I just have to ask him what he wants to do. Because he has things he wants to do. Right? And, and when you're a favored son, it's not like you go to your father and you're like, can you please help me? He's like, of course I want to help you. Right? Are you praying like an orphan or are you praying like a son? And so I remember in that moment, I was like, well, that's a big deal. And the Lord showed me, he's like, I was with you. Like, I was with you in this. I was moving in this. And what happened is I was with him. I started to remember who he is. Remember a few months after that, I'm up at Spring Hill to, for Man Up. Any Man Up? Any Man Up guys out there? I see you guys. And... Uh, I go up to Man Up, I'm doing a breakout there, and about everyone was getting up, and I just said, I'm getting up early, and I'm making time to be with the Lord. So for me that day, that looked like, it was like really early, and I put in my headphones, and I threw on like some of Bethel's best stuff, if you know Bethel, and I started like, <laughs> this is me resting, okay? It might have looked crazy. It was still dark, so no one could see me, and I was just dancing like a wild man through the woods, worshiping the Lord. It was like footloose worship style, and... Uh, <laughs> I remember I'm worshiping the Lord, like headbanging, way more, you know, some spins. It was, I was like, it was like a workout almost. And I remember as I'm doing that, I'm looking at the sky and I'm looking at creation and it was like clear skies, like, and it was still the moon and it was the stars. And as I'm looking at the moon, I feel like the Lord speaks to me and he says, Cody, I put the moon there and I have your life. And to me, what that meant was, I'm holding that there, and I'm holding the stars there. And it made me remember that God had me. Even my life looked like chaos. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I was going to go play football. I didn't know if I'd be at Kensington. But he's like, I'm here. I'm in this. I care even more than you care. I'm with you. I see you. You need to be reminded the Lord is for you. He goes before you. He is behind you. He is alive within you. He surrounds you. If he is for you, who can be against you? Have you forgotten who he is? It's in rest that we remember. It's in rest we remember. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 25 through 34. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? This is like, he says that, that's like every parent's nightmare. It's like, don't worry about anything, right? Like, don't worry about what you're doing with your life. It's like, what? And he goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store, store away in barns, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how the God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know what I realized reading that? What, what does he say? What's he trying to do? I believe Jesus is saying, do you know who God is? Do you know who he is? He's saying if he does that, he'll do it for you. What he's saying is you need to change the way you think about who God is. What does he say? Your heavenly father, he knows you need that stuff and he's gonna show up. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Just seek him. You need to be reminded, right, that he cares for you, that he is the provider. The root of worry, right, is it's not understanding sometimes who God is that he's going to show up. Do you project fear into your future or do you project faith into your future? I've heard Jamie Winship, so you guys know him, him say this, God can't give you grace for a hypothetical future. He can't give you grace for a future that hasn't happened yet. Why? Because it might not even happen. It might not even be true. And so often we sit and we're like, man, what if this happens? And we go through like all the worst things. Why don't we project faith into the future and think about all the good things that could happen instead of seeing all the bad things? It will probably make you right now feel a lot better. But there's something beautiful that happens, right? When we rest, we remember who he is. What does the Lord say? Psalm 46.10, we had it on the screen. Be still and know that I am God. I think sometimes we read that and we think it says, be rushed and think I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's in the stillness that we start to know who he is, that we start to remember. And when we rest, we confess we are not God, but we can trust him because he is good. When we rest, we confess even when I'm not moving, he is. When we rest, we confess even when I'm not moving, he is. And I'll say it again for some of you. Maybe it's asking yourself today, when did I start to believe I cared more about my life than you do? When did I start to believe I had to protect myself because you wouldn't protect me? And I'm sure there's situations where it probably might be easy to believe that. But is it possible, even as I was praying for the Lord to bring us a new truth that will set us free, that we would run to him instead of away from him, and that in him we would find rest? The final thing I'll say is this, point number three. In rest, we receive. In rest, we receive. I love, I love this thing about the intuitive mind. I was reading this in a business article, actually, and it was talking about innovators and entrepreneurs and thinkers. This is what Albert Einstein said. He said, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have a created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. The intuitive mind, it's like the part of you that I believe God speaks to. It's the part of you that knows at the deepest level. It's not the rational. It's not what you think is possible. The article went on to say this. The greatest hindrance in accessing your intuition is stress. People under significant stress use just a fraction of their mental and emotional capabilities. Activating your intuition requires, at a minimum, long periods of solitude. It comes with deep soul-searching and spiritual reflection. What is it saying? You know what I realized? You know, if you ever met someone, you're like, man, these people are so creative or they're innovative. It's because they've rested. 
For me, the reason I love to rest now and just open up the intuitive mind and hear the Lord, it's because he gives you things. In rest, you receive. You receive his vision for the world. You receive his vision for people. I can tell people that have rested because they have original thoughts. I've heard, I've heard this line going along, around a lot lately. It says, it says, are you an echo or are you a voice? Echoes just repeat what they've heard. Voices have original thoughts. You want to know that someone that rests is they're saying things no one else is saying. They're not just regurgitating other things that people have said. They're not trying to do other things other people have done. Why? Because in the place of rest, they have received fresh vision. Right? In the place of rest, that's when you grow in the Lord. You grow in the kingdom not by achieving but by receiving from the Lord. And as you position yourself in rest, you know what you start to think of? You start to think of the problems and then you tap into your intuition and you say, God, what do you want me to know about this? When you think God cares about your life more than you do, you stop begging him to move. You start expecting him to move and you ask him how he wants you to move. You start partnering with him. God, I'm looking at my family right now. Man, I have this dream for them. Show me what I need to do. I'll be like, well, maybe forgive that person and love them, right? That's going to bring unity. But you start tapping into his vision. And, and, and this is what I've come to realize. You can tell the size of your God by the dreams that you have in your heart. When you have a big God, you have big dreams. What do I mean by that? If you have a big God, it's almost like when you dream, it's like if someone came up to you and they said, here's a million dollars, go do whatever you want to do. First of all, would you have anything you wanted to do? And you know it's a God dream when it doesn't just change your world, but it changed the world, right? When you start dreaming with God, he, he has dreams that will change society and culture and, and bring healing and hope to people. Your dreams will probably change your life, and then you'll realize, eh, that wasn't a very good dream because you'll find your life when you give it away. But imagine someone says, like, when you have a big God, it's like you're dreaming with a God who has blank checks, right? Because he has unlimited resources. He has unlimited power, right? He can, he can do things where like rationally this doesn't make sense, but supernaturally, right, who God is, he's like, I can make this happen. And so when you have a small God, you don't dream very big because you don't expect him to show up and you don't expect him to move. When you have a big God, right, and it's like million dollars, you're like, man, what could I do with that? If someone came up to you today and said, I'm going to give you a million dollars, tell me what your dreams are. What would you do with it? Do you have an answer I don't know if I do. I'm going to come up with one that's good for you guys. But this is what I believe and what I've discovered. When we dream, the enemy hates it. And he wants to shut down our dreams. There's fear there, right? There's feelings of maybe self-hatred or shame that I can't do this. You know what I've come to discover is that because we were made in the image of God, we can dream. Why? Because God dreams. I was thinking about that, even with our, our kid, Jenna is, uh, what are you, 36 weeks pregnant? She is the cutest pregnant lady. You guys have probably seen her. But we, what I found out is I have dreams for my child already. Like I'm praying and I'm dreaming for him. And more than that, my biggest dream is that he'd know the Lord and that I'd support the unique identity and characteristics and breathe on the things God has already put within him. Because I, I really believe, like, you don't, you don't find dreams. You mine dreams, right? Like, they're not out here. It's kind of like finding gold. Like, it's in there. You search for them because the Lord's put dreams within your heart. He's, he's put things in your life that are unique to you. And so what's interesting is I was thinking about that, like, man, I have dreams for him. And I started thinking, you know, God is a God of dreams. He's a God of vision. You know what you are? You are 
a creation of God's imagination. You are his dream. That actually he's expressing his nature and who he is through you uniquely. That we each hold something different. That you are a, a dream of God's heart. And when you dream, you start to express God's heart in the world. And so the enemy hates it when we dream and when we create because it reminds him of what he cannot do. He can steal, he can kill, and he can destroy. He can twist and he can manipulate, but he cannot create. And so he will do whatever he can to shut down your dreams. Have you positioned yourself to receive? When you rest, you receive. What does the Lord put in your heart? I really believe for a lot of you, you're here today because the Lord's saying, those things that I have put in your heart, the desires to see healing and hope in a culture, the desires to see people know Jesus, those are from me. And I believe right now what the Lord is saying, dream again. Step out in faith. You have what it takes. You can do it because my vision for us as a campus in at Kensington, people would see our church and, and it, they'd think it was the dream center. Like they'd be like, oh, that church, man, that church is wild and they dream like crazy and like they're thinking about doing stuff that no other church has ever done before. Why? Because in the position of rest, we have received revelation from God that no one has received before. We have seen things that no one else has seen before. We're seeing things in scripture that no one's seen before. Why? Because we're not just reading someone else's stuff, but we're sitting with the Lord and his spirit who leads us into all truth is searching us and is bringing revelation that no one has ever seen before. There's more to discover about who God is that no one's ever seen before. He is that vast and he is that like wide. But the place that we discover that is in the place of rest and in the place of relationship. That's where we receive. Amen. Gosh. <laughs> and I, I had one story. I don't even know if he's here. He doesn't know I'm talking about him. But one, one guy that, that I think has done this so well is, is some of you guys know Alan Getz who comes to our campus. Actually, the reason we're in this campus and this building is because he had a meeting with Steve Andrews and he's like, you guys need to buy this. And what's interesting, some of you guys, how many of you guys are familiar with 20 Front Street up the road at, at Lake Orion? Yeah, some of you guys know it's this really cool music venue. And Alan Getz actually started that with some other people, a Kensington guy. And what's really interesting is Alan had the idea to do this. He went up the man up. He was getting away. He was finding rest, right? He abandoned annually, right? And he went up, and Jamie Winship talked about hearing the Lord's voice. And so he said after he talked, he went into a field. Everyone else was playing sports and doing games, and he's like, I just need to get away. And as he was there, he had this vision start to come to him. He started thinking about this abandoned kind of like building where on 20 Front Street. And he felt like he started getting a vision and he felt like the Lord was prompting him and he was having a vision of this building and music coming out of it and people coming and playing venues there. Some of you guys know now, like tons of artists go there, they pray for them, they're Jesus to them. And, and he had this dream. And believe me, when you dream, it liberates other people to dream. And when you're dreaming with God, he's probably already prompted other people to partner with you and do the very thing you have a dream in your heart for. And so I, I know it happened. He had this idea, and he's like, I'm going to make it happen. And he ended up meeting with some other people that wanted to partner with him in doing it. 
and they just made it happen. I remember going over there, and it's like this dust building, and it's really torn down, and he's just vision, right? He's like, this is what it's going to be. This is what I see. He has received a vision, and he's dreaming. Why? Because he escaped and rested with God. I wonder for how many of us, if we just got away for like, like six hours and just said, God, show me what you want to do with our life, how many things would start happening here? And we had the faith to step out and keep going even when it seems hard. I wonder how many little projects and businesses or spiritual like components would start to rise up out of this place as each and every one of us did that. And so it's interesting that he, I remember he grabbed me in the lobby and he's like, we need to do some worship night there. So I remember being at this worship night and we're going there and believe me, if you've ever been there, it's just like the presence it's, of the Lord is like there. It's like holy. It's, it's kind of bizarre. And as we're there, I hear this story of this woman who had been walking around this building for years praying that the Lord would do something with it for his kingdom. And I just remember thinking about that, like, how crazy is that? Like, this guy has a dream. This woman had a dream. Maybe some other people have a dream. But when you dream, it liberates other people to dream. And the Lord's like, I'm going to bring it all together. And I'm going to change this area because of that. What dream has the Lord put in your heart? And as we end today, it's, it's, it's beautiful because I know at Kensington, one of the dreams that, that Kensington has had is it's, it's partnering with leaders overseas, our global partners, and partnering with them to see Jesus reached all over the world. And today it's exciting because that dream is happening and it's existing and it's moving forward. Don Anderson's over there. He's a big part of making that happen. And what what happened is we have a new global partner, our 11th global partner in the Dominican Republic. And so, yeah, you guys can, you can clap for that. And what a global partner is, it's really a, a leader, in, in, an indigenous leader, someone there that we believe you know how to reach your people better than we do. So we want to partner with you, whether it's financially, whether it's with teams, and support them in any way to see the dream that God has put in their heart to become a reality. And a lot of times we only really partner with people that are reaching thousands and thousands of people. And so I just want to encourage you guys, as you watch this video, you know what's beautiful about it? You see how one man's dream is making everyone else dream, and it's liberating other people to dream. And as we, as we watch the video, we're going to receive the offering. And so if you want to give, man, we'd encourage you to give. And what's beautiful is when you give, it, it does go to things like this. And so we just encourage you. And if you want to give online, you can see it right there. You can give on the app or online. So we'd encourage you to give right now. Um, and, and I, I, we have been saying it, um, but we want to encourage you guys. You know, we, we know you're going to get so many asks, but we want to encourage you to pray about and consider maybe giving a year-end gift to Kensington at the end of the year, making a contribution, because when you give, stuff like this happens. And so enjoy our new global partner. The one and only Dave Wilson was there to capture it on video, but we want to show you guys this, what God is doing through Kensington, but also what he's doing in the Dominican Republic and how we're going to partner with them. <laughs> 